In the words of the legendary Luke Ellerman, hello, dog fans, and welcome to this podcast because everything matters. Host Hooligan Seven. I'm joined this evening by Hood Husky. Uh, uh, we've got a bunch of stuff going on fan this evening, so it's just going to be Hood and I. But Hood, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Hooligan can't complain. Got a got a dub under our belt. You know, we get so we got a W. Like. It wasn't pretty, but but it, it it ended up on the right side of the the column. <laughs> um, and, facts, and of course, facts. before we yeah, before we dig into to uh, to all of our thoughts from and takeaways from Cal, uh, of course, uh, beverage this evening. What are you sipping? Actually, went Indian Pale Ale again. Ah, nice juice nation. Nice. So it's I think I'd say that. Thank you for the the facing. So some juicy yeah, domination. I, I like where your head's at. I like where your head's at. Um, yeah, and I have uh, I found something at Trader Joe's. I've got a uh, coffee peanut butter cup porter with so it's porter with peanut butter powder, coffee, and lactose. So trying something a little Ooh. different. It's 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 hitting all right. It's hitting. All it's right. hitting. All... Stouts and porters are my thing, and tis the season. It's the season. It is the season. Like, like I said, I think I said it when you mentioned it on the on that episode of the pod that I'm just like, I, I tend to stay away from them enough in the summer when it's 90 degrees out because the day after can be a little bit of a <laughs> feels heavier when it's 85 it's degrees. But uh, but but when the weather turns, it was like 50 at my house today. It's yeah, quarter and stout season. I'm I'm all for it. All right, I don't Same think. Unless you saw any stupid tweets, I think we can skip stupid tweets for the week uh, and move right into to talking about Cal. Yeah, definitely do that. Uh, I act surprisingly. I don't tip the tweet, but I got one. Okay. I got one. I'll say it's a it's a friend of the pod, Big Game Boomer. Posted <laughs> a couple of days every state, and I, you know, and he had you dubbed as the worst. He- yeah, but, yeah. Big game boomer is obviously going to be Shrek for Halloween because he's trolling. Likes <laughs> <laughs> picking on us now, uh, like everybody does. He so likes picking cool. on us. So it's like I, I choose to look at most of Big Game Boomer's content. It's like when he shouts out one of us from the Sound the Siren uh, family as the as the best Husky follow is that he's being serious, and the rest of the time he's probably. Go, going for power. going for the for the reactions and the and the ratios. <laughs> <laughs> playing, <laughs> but uh, playing the game. Yeah. But yeah, so so uh, yeah, uh, so Cal, a, a, a tale of two halves in a lot of ways. Uh, offense looked well, not world beating, at least respectable, decent looking, you know, decent, pretty good going into the half, um, and then it disappeared. Uh, for we're we're now on a seventy five percent ratio of uh, no no touchdowns in, in eight games with John Donovan as the guy in at least a half of a game with John Donovan as the offensive coordinator uh, looked to me like what had been working in the first half we kind of stopped it and we got really really conservative I think as play calling got a little tight I think Dylan got a little tight. Um, Lucky to get the dub. Shout out to, to Cam Williams for making a play with two injured hands 
uh, and get in the hands of the football to, to close it out in overtime. But uh, yeah, Hood, take it away. What, what did you see from the Cal game in particular? Let's, let's talk about the good defensive side. Thing you saw, man, some well, um, feel like when it's tight, especially in the much changed. I think it actually more open and progressive for him, but I don't think he made the plays. Um, say that I didn't do it to the level of Montage and Jalen and Colt on offense uh, this week, and uh, some great nuance to routes. Jalen on his great inside release. I ran a great route. Um, so, yeah, I just think you, you hit nail on head, man. Just great first half. Um, great balls by Dylan. Field pass to Taj Day. All Taj. Hit. Mm-hmm. And um, but, uh, mm-hmm. glad to see some. We talked pre show. Glad to see some uh, improvement. Attack. Mm-hmm. Hill. Yep. And about how he flushes uh, the pocket movement to the other side, and we haven't had anybody to really clean that up. And we got some uh, cleaning that up this week. So that was awesome. Hope mm-hmm. to see that continue. But yeah, just some small little things I noticed as far as improvements. Yeah. <laughs> God, what a, I mean, yeah, we, we shouldn't talk about this game without saying it. Loudly and repeatedly, that what a freaking hellacious game from Kyler Gordon. Um, he clearly, um, I mean, it's one of those things where Husky fans knew how good a player Kyler Gordon is, um, but I think easily the rest of the conference now is well aware that that, that the guy sitting opposite Trent McDuffie on the other side of the field is a guy they probably don't want to test very often either. Um, mm-hmm. And certainly, I think his national brand is uh, is only going to grow from here. And I hate to say it because certainly, selfishly as a Husky fan, um, I'd love to see him back on Montlake next fall. But he, Jimmy too. if he Shoot. plays like that, yeah, if he plays like that, he's at worst going to be yeah. a day two pick. At worst, point. man. <laughs> that, yeah, that was an audition. We could conceivably have two. I mean, he plays like that all season. You could see both he and Trent go day one. That facts. Present one heck of a for that. You know? Yeah, I mean, Cal is not the tip pass the tip, and you know they give him opportunity. Advantage of it. Yeah, and it's going to be a screen today. Went on that Kyler for a little bit. I had to make sure that stays in the news, yep. man. He deserves all that for sure, for sure. And I and I think also shout outs are, 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 are due to uh, uh, I think Devin Culp had his kind of breakout performance where his athleticism showed up and he made some of the the routine plays that. Um, and unfortunately, in, you know, in prior games or in prior years had been drops. He was a huge part of the offense um, and, a, and a big reason mm-hmm. that we were able to build the lead that we did, that 21 to 10 halftime lead. 
Um, so shout out to Dev Culp as well. Yeah, I agree. Hard time and went out there and earned. Yeah, looked and, and certainly with with the, the the optimistic or the the thing that's going to be really interesting with that going forward is that we can do a lot with as much as you know. I want to continue to see us be more aggressive and spread you know spread the, the receivers out you know, and go with three and four receiver sets and push the ball down the field. Um, we can do that or we can do some, have some interesting wrinkles with multiple tight ends on the field. And if you've got Cade and Dev, both as reliable options that the defense has to honor, that's good things for the offense. And then seeing um, Rome getting some of that tick too. Getting, yes. Getting rotated in. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I could see. Yeah, it was great to see. I, I've I've been a Rome fan um, for a long time. He was one of the guys the year when the year we signed him. His like his tape just like it it just popped to me. Um, and, and I could potentially runner. see a scenario. Where, what? For silky runner. Um, yeah, but and yeah, it's he's one of those guys where he doesn't look like he's moving as fast as he is. And then all of a sudden he's two, he's two yards behind the guy that, that like looked like they look to be like, he almost looks like you're saying he looks to be almost going like very smooth. It's like, he doesn't look like he's running that fast. And all of a sudden it's like, wait, <laughs> goodbye. Um, I could see. Yeah. Which is great. And we need to, we'll talk to, you know, we can talk about recruiting uh, at some point today and we'll talk about it in depth and, and talk about some high school players next week. Um, but uh, that's something that we need to emphasize because it's a, you know, it's a new coach. It's not the Chip Kelly spread down at, down at Oregon, but, or the University of Oregon is still the place where good receivers go to get wasted. <laughs> <laughs> and not even the, and I'm not saying know. like the, the good would get wasted. They just, their talent, I mean, what, like they had 10 completions. I don't remember those 10 completions to receivers or just 10 completions in the game last week, period, against a 16 straight loss. Granted, they've got some quarterback issues at Oregon with, I think, Brent Brown's hurt, but have to emphasize <laughs> I agree I agree uh, they marketed Jalen the Arky State game yep hopefully that nice little sign to at least West Coast the Fresno guys so yeah oh, anyway. for sure it's I mean it's it's so key and you know and when we take a step back on the field or when we have the hiccup that we did or the the fuck up if we want to call it that with Montana. Um, we're not probably going to have a ton of open doors nationally. Places that are out of our footprint on the recruiting trail, at least this year. Um, so we need to be able to to close guys that are and, and get after guys and be able to, to, to sell that vision to kids that traditionally are in our footprint. And it's not outlandish to come to the University of Washington. In-state offer trade like <laughs> probably not a receiver in the in the scheme of things, but um, yeah. On, on the downside, I, I certainly think there's this, there's the second half where I think the offense had 62 total yards of offense the entire second half. Um, again, uh, 
shout out to Kyler for making a couple of key stops that kept us in the game where if Cal had gone down and scored again, or um, we we could have been in trouble chasing the game again, like we were trying to do at the end of the Montana game. Uh, and certainly were mm-hmm. at the end of the Michigan game. Um, but, you know, and I think we talked about it in the pre-show and I'll, I'll, I'll talk to, you know, let you talk to, to what you saw out of and or where you have concerns on, on the other side of the ball on defense. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, also saw some uh, great improvements in this. Uh, obviously, going to make a play. Jackson struggling all game and then coming to make a play. Uh, mm-hmm. One thing that I, I fortunate for the was um, being up and then not being able to really pin your ears back and get comfortable. We haven't had a game other than Arky State where, you know, the offense put uh, 34-10 where you can just kind of fire yeah. off. Um, Ryan Bowman defined Chase Garbers as annoying. You know what I mean? And it's like... Um, he's the kind of quarterback that gives us trouble. Gives us trouble. The, he's got enough movement where it's not the play design. We do a great job. I think as our defense, we do a great job of if a quarterback is on that spectrum of more mobile than where run is a is a primary weapon or, or is the primary or secondary weapon for that quarterback, we do a pretty good job of containing that and not letting... Um, quarterbacks run up and down the field on us like you know Mariota did back in the, <laughs> the Sarkin whole days but it's those guys that it's not their first option they're going to go through their progressions but it's the la- and that's you know f- you know the back end is holding up and you know and that's again credit to the secondary and, and credit to, to the way that Will um, is coaching his guys because it's particularly as, as we play with nickel corners all the time um, and it's and it's a credit to TB and then the safeties staying with their guys in coverage um, but it's those guys that everything breaks down and they are able to sneak out and pick up. It's it's what Jake Browning used to do for us. For us. But we're this year, most definitely. Yep. How, how many off-script plays have you seen? How many Dylan, you know, three, Not four, five, six doesn't seconds. seem to be. Yeah, it, it goes kind of into the concern, and we were talking about it in the pre-show, so let's just dive into it now. He doesn't like to me, like, and the reason that, you know, my optimistic take, I have no insight into this, um, but I hope it's the cases that I hope that kind of what's going on is maybe that we're not going to make the trick, pull the trigger on, on, you know, removing Donovan from the offensive coordinator position before the bye. But if there's any time to do, to make a move in season, it's coming out of this weekend and saying, Hey, okay, you know what? It's been nine games. It's not working. You can stay on as as a as a consultant to the offense in an offensive capacity, consultant analyst, whatever you call it. You'll you know you'll get paid for the rest of the year, whatever the buyout is. Um, but let Junior call like let somebody that's got experience calling the plays that comes from a system that's more modern. Uh, Junior's got a ton of background in in spread systems. Let Junior pl- call plays the rest of the way, and and see what we can you know. I, I hate to, to to use the term salvage. Um, this early in a season, but when you lose to Montana, it's mm. we're chasing, we're we're chasing, you know, uh, redemption the rest of the way. Um, Bob Gregory, so that, that would be my hope. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and to me, it's, we, we talked about it in the episode where like Bob was kind of an afterthought when in one of our first, you know, handful of episodes, the, the potentials for a defensive coordinator, because what we've seen on the field all too often is the, um, and you were talking about it is the, the, the inside linebackers are not playing downhill at mm-hmm. all. And they're, they're kind of, and we're not seeing them play or take that step. Um, and if anybody on the staff has proven exactly what they are, and we should know better, it's Bob. <laughs> he doesn't recruit. You know, yes, he had more experience as a defensive coordinator, like in the same situation. Like I can understand at the time, some, like, I still have a hard time saying that that was a great decision or even a, an understandable decision. Um, you have a you know, he was probably well, what? Well, exactly. Malo had called plays. Exactly. Bob had been a coordinator for seven years at Cal and had a pretty good run of success, but mm-hmm. Akaika has called plays before has proven more in his current role at the university of Washington as a recruiter mm-hmm. had proven that he developed his guys. He's got, he's got Vita in the league. He helped get Elijah to the Elijah calls to the league. He's got Greg Gaines in the league. He's got Levi in the league. Now Keep going. you can't like it's, you should reward the people that are doing something for you. What it's, it, it just feels, and, it feels so no brainer, you know. And like you're, te- like you're, yeah, like your user, you know. Imagine Denison in a role like, you know, the developers he had. If you mm-hmm. can just develop those relationships, right. and the build for the for these, you know, um, as well, man. Yep. Bring them in the we building. Need, we need more, like, we need more recruiters on the staff. Like that's why, like, yes. Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot on, you know, in in the chats and on um, on the Twitter timelines about, you know, the o the O line has not played that well this season, and and yes, that's mm-hmm. a a concern in terms of Scott Huff as a coach. Scott Huff is clearly a proven recruiter. Um, he's brought in consistently probably the best O line classes that we've seen since the Don James Golden era and guys where we were bringing mm-hmm. in guys like Lincoln Kennedy. Um, we haven't seen it as much in terms of his ability to develop. He's got a few pieces, but I think again, we, it's the scheme is the problem. Is that you know I, I think that when you have a misfit in terms of yeah, we don't you know I, I think it's some of the 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 choices of who we're playing um, and not putting our best talent necessarily on the field in some in some cases, and we've seen that. Um, through throughout Peterson's era and certainly through Blake's era as well to this point. Um, but I, I think we're talking about it where, you know, JD's trying to do a lot of man, a lot of man blocking and, and what I think Huff's background is, is more in zone, is in more, in more zone blocking schemes. Uh, yeah. Lane, things like that. And if we got four or five that all can contribute in different ways, you know, allow Cam Davis and you know, Richard Newton and Javion to, to bounce your play, you know, yep. allow, allow somebody like her to get his playmaking ability front side or his lean forward and Kamar Pleasant's lean forward on, you know, if you want to run these dives and stuff like that, use the other backs to complement, you know, in zone block schemes. But I believe like Huff is, has, has had his hands tied as well. 
Um, there's something that uh, John Donovan mentioned in his press conference about how uh, the ball out, uh, Dylan Morris's second hits. Those are small coaching things that talk is long, you know, and so he throws the ball away or doesn't or feels the need to scramble. Yep. If he stood there and you know and got hit while throwing, he would have had time to throw in that that next window, uh, you know, or the time third, to scan for a third or check. Yeah, and, and and that's another point to, to me that's such a significant concern from from Don from what you know Donovan his position of responsibility in addition to the entire offense is that he's our quarterback's coach and Dylan has regressed I agree so did he's Christian Hackenberg though he was what so did Christian Hackenberg though you know again like <laughs> it was a questionable hire at the time because like the tape exists of what John, what a John Donovan offense looks like it did look good, good. You know that I, I don't I had, yeah, he was, his numbers that are starting to come out and like, pin, media, like and all the stories I'm reading about, like, I don't know where I was, but stuff is bad. And it's very consistent. Yeah. Like, you, you, yeah, it's, and like, I get that because we've had, you, you can see coaches struggle somewhere. And then they figure it out. They get another coaches get too many chances, um, and some coaches end up figuring it out and take some lessons from their first you know, second job. But Donovan is not a young coach, and he's not even a kind of young coach. It's like you're not, at, you know, you're just not going to change that much at a certain point. And programs that are serious about competing at a conference championship and and you know, popping into the national championship picture, don't hire bounce back or retread coaches that have already failed at a, at one big time program, and that then and and it's not just that he failed at Penn State. If he'd failed at Penn State, and then he'd gone to the league and he'd learned a couple of things, and he was a passing game coordinator or a running game coordinator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. NFL franchise is like, okay, he's figured some things out. Okay. He went from having more responsibility. He was at one point, and, and I will give, I will say this is to his credit. Blake Bortles best year in Jacksonville was when I think John Donovan was his quarterback's coach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when we hired him from Jacksonville, he was no longer the quarterback's coach. He was not a running back. He wasn't the running back coach. He was an assistant running back coach. This is like, (laughs) you don't go backwards and then take a huge step to the, like, it's just, it's indescribably mind boggling that, that, that the hire was made in the first place. And the longer it continues, the more it's going to hamstring the, the development of, of, of Coach Lake, of the athletes on the team, of mm-hmm. the program as a whole. Because mm-hmm. look just, at the tone. We have to big up the tone fans after we've been the most engaged in the offseason, you know, prepared to pack the houses. You know, we went prepared to travel. And, you know, I got to see the, the, the reciprocity on, on the other end, um, you know. And that's why that's why I feel you have to make that statement. And to what to your point about 
potentially moving him to more of a consulting role and then obviously parting at the end of the season. Now, maybe he's not coordinating call plays, but it'd be a familiar voice on the sideline. Um, so I think that's probably the best. Thing. Um, but if but it depends on the state showing. If this Oregon State showing is is you know like Montana or Michigan, then the bye the bye week is a perfect time to make yeah, that decision. It's, Goodbye. It's the the yeah exactly. That's. <laughs> You and I are on the, the good are on the same mind wave right now. It's the yeah, exactly. The good goodbye pack your bags and get out of here week. Um but because I mean like there, you know, there there's already change in you know, there's already changes, you know, big changes happening. Like USC made their move with their head coaching. Like the earlier we can get serious about our search for the next offensive coordinator and the more tape we'll have if we elevate junior or, or somebody else on the staff to, to the, to, you know, to be the interim or, you know, the, to have play calling and OC duties the rest of the year, the more tape we'll have to make an evaluation to say, okay, you know what? We got, you know, John Dunn left. we did, you know, junior stepped up. What do we have from, from nine mm-hmm. or eight games, you know, from, from what a junior Adams offense looks like. And then I mentioned, you know, like initially, higher like why didn't jimmy you know, being so confident and you talk about competition and challenging yourself being so confident in your defensive scheme why would you you know like i would think yep. that there would need to be a more analyst so even at the end of the year if you decide to get away from john donovan and give it to john uh junior adams so that guy that may be a young fresh mind, absolutely because you're talking about pro style um the, the pros ain't running. We're not even running. We're running no. seven pros. But you watch the Chiefs. The, Maybe. Uh, even Tampa. Nobody's running what we're running. So it's not a pro-style offense. No, it's a pro-style offense 20 or 30 years ago. But it's, 20 or 30 it's certainly years ago. not now. Um, and, you know, with the number of times that we have run receivers and tight ends running into the same space. And we're not creating this bait. Like. I, somebody's got a picture of it in that of where we had, I think, three receivers and a tight end all within a 15 yard area, something like that. Yeah. In the same throw. It's just. Scene. It's like you're making it easier for the defense. That's not your job. Your job is to make it harder, not easier. Um, it's, it's just an. Like, there is. I don't like and, and it's and I think it's it's also the case with the Bob Gregory promotion. It's there's too much of like yes, stability is a good thing, and the you know and having systems in, you know in place, but you have to continually like the longer a, a, a culture stagnates and you don't get different differing perspectives and different voices, mm-hmm. honestly the faster it tanks. You have to, like, you have to get outside challenges and, like, okay, I mean, and and it gets pointed out all the time, particularly amongst Tusky Twitter, but, like, if Nick Saban can say that my preferred way of doing things on the offensive side of the ball and, you know, keep my defense off the field, ground it out, if Nick Saban of multiple national championships can say, hey, no, you know what, we need to, to do things differently, there's... No excuse. 
You can't say, hey, I'm continuity smart. on you can continuity throughout. You know, you've got comparable Absolutely. people over there. If you get even if you get rid of BG, you can bring in a young coach to basically coach to your system. You know what I mean? Yep. And that bring in some outside perspective, bring in some outside wrinkles. Yeah. And, and on offense, offense is more, you know, if you want to make your defense that much better, you know, offense is where we need to hire that person outside of our tree. Uh, so that's going to challenge like, because it's, it's yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, outside the tree, it's going to, because it's going to give new wrinkles for the defense to have to worry about and think about. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, like the thing that I think I, I I struggle with with that in terms of the questioning Coach Lake's decision is, like, yes, we've struggled with kind of that going Stanford style, the power, the the stack, the box. But some of that, just to me, is is based on stubbornness of, and it's not just Coach Lake's stubbornness; it's Pete's stubbornness, it yeah. was Kip Kwiatkowski's stubbornness. It's the whole staff. It's that whole boy, that the <laughs> whole Boise culture of we have to outsmart, like we have. To like we're gonna yeah. do things our way. We're gonna do things our way. We're gonna do things our way. Even like we know exactly like, and I, it's what made me tear out my tear my hair out during you know what left of it I have um, during the Stanford <laughs> game last year. It's like Stanford didn't do anything to surprise us. If we were surprised by what nope. Stanford did to build that lead in the first half, we haven't been paying attention for for ten years of what David Shaw and Jim Harbaugh Stanford football looks like. Like if you're surprised by that and haven't figured out a way, like, hey, we need to counter this and do something a little different. Like, I think looking, I think looking forward to uh, Oregon State. I think a game that's going to be exactly like just challenging what, what they can stack. Challenging, we they can stack stack the box. Got downhill linebackers. Got a downhill IDL. Um, got safety that if you need that extra man in the box can stop what you're gonna have to do so it'd be another game where we're gonna have we to have step to it up on offense yeah we're gonna have we're to gonna step have it up in the past game like the fact that we're the we're the only fbs school in the country without a 20-yard run <laughs> with a unit by the way and, and i'm not and i'm not I'm not put pinning this on the kids by any stretch of the imagination with one of what in multiple publications, or at least in a number of publications was one of the could, could have been one of the, or was labeled one of the best five lines in the country. We do not have a 20 yard run. Because I mean, it's terrible. It's, it's a lack of diversity in running plays, but it's also, it's one of the things that I scream about, or at least in my opinion, it's one of the things I scream about all the time is how often we come out. Yeah, we'll come out in a three or four wide receiver set, but they're all within five, six yards of the two, <laughs> of the tackles. We're not creating space. We're bringing more defenders in to stop the run. Can you can you imagine just being John Donovan, Scott Huff, and Junior Adams, and knowing you're going into Montana, being the high, bigger, uh, stronger on the line? And you say game plan is just to bully these guys, and then your O line does. You know that's 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 big. I think they they are um, definitely one of the more disappointing units. You know, after these first four games showed up a little bit more cow, and I think they'll be a little better. Um, and I want to see it. 
and I want and I'd I love want, I'd love to even if I'd it love doesn't to talk about Jackson going first round. Yeah, like I mean, I'd love for it to happen. I realistically, I don't think Jackson Kirkland is is a first round NFL draft choice or. I mean, and that's no disrespect to Jackson. I think he's going to be a, a very, very solid pro. I could see him being an exceptional guard um, and a very solid right tackle. I just not not seeing. I mean, Aiden. Aiden then again, Zach Wilson was test. was taken second overall. So, <laughs> right? Come on, Mister Four. Yeah, he doesn't have too much competition. I'd say um, in the draft, but at the end of the day, like. In totality, I mean, Jackson's got to be the lead. Jackson and White, they're veterans. Um, communication should not be a problem. And he, I hear mentioning that, you know, they've got to improve their communication. Fifth, sixth-year center communication problem. You're on campus at this point. Um, so Yeah, it's – well, and with those three guys that you mentioned – and to me, I think some of it is, yeah, I think they've got it's it's a different scheme in that we we've gone from a zone, what was more a zone scheme until we brought John Don in to the man scheme, and I think that can cause some changes. But when you have as much experience as we have on the lines, for them to be struggling to this extent is significantly concerning. I think it's scheme not to realize not to realize that experience can provide pro- provide you know you get reps at all these places. Yep. Why are you pigeonholing them running a singular scheme? You know, that it's shown mm-hmm. that some of these people like Henry were, were projected to be put stock there by FCA lineman. So what do you think to help you put him in advantage? Yep. His bull game in twenty nineteen and you see a completely different player. So yep. in, in you know, in my head, he I'm like, great in that game. he was great in that game. You know, so it's it's a schematic adjustment, it's a schematic change, and it's what felt like. You know, the first two weeks we should have got more of. At this point, the first, the four games, we're finding out we're doing this. You know, John Donovan mm-hmm. scheme. You know, they were. Yep. Three and one, almost in spite of the scheme. Yeah, and 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 before we get any further, I will also shout out Kamari. I, I um, for a huge bounce back play. Like he, yeah, he back. had the fumble, but then he he right. caught that pass out of the backfield, made a couple guys miss, and um and set us up to score the touchdown that won the game that that ended mm-hmm. up winning the game for us. So that's a you know that is resilience. That is um that's Husky football right there. You know, he took one on the chin, popped right back up, and and helped us close the deal. And speak to the part below and and just the environment of the game. You know, Husky Nation, you guys showed up. You guys were loud. Dog pack, you showed up. Um, it it, it was to see. Um, I can see there was uh, more people um, actively involved. Um, I looked like based on other games I've been to. Felt like on the video board there were there was more like engagement and getting people involved Good. more often, um, and, and I felt like I felt like we are transitioning 
into a much better program in regards to those things. Um, yeah, man, it was packed. It was packed. It was fun. It was loud. Um, so appreciate y'all for showing up and showing out. Yeah, and that's great. And that's, I mean, that's what it needs to be. And we, we talked about it in, in, uh, last week that, that we essentially, that we have what's this, what's the closest to an SEC fan base in the West as, as there is. Um, and it's, well, we have some. They don't even show up in Stanford. From... No, there, there's, um, there's probably more copies of the Wall Street Journal in the stadium than there are fans at, at Stanford. Like the uh, last, <laughs> it's shouts to Leah for that one. <laughs> that one was um, that was one of the best one. That's not the farm, but the library. Can you tell me which way the sports ball field is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh um, are they wrestling there? Yeah. <laughs> um but but it's, it's and it's, it's until and I think we're starting to see some changes and that's encouraging. I think they're um they're a little behind the times still and it's so it's still gonna need to end. This is the, the encouragement that I would give to Husky fans. Um, is continuing to have ideas and when you or as hood as you did with the purple out when you saw the players like you were on that when the players like asked for it um, your voice and your audience I mean that in in, in large part in, in some part was due to your efforts so credit to you for that and um, and that's, that's, that's the, the, one of the biggest things, things I could say is you know when you have ideas continue to show up continue what you want to see, why you care, because our voice matters. From this that, you know, will exclaim your, you know, reasonable opinions, most definitely. Um, and it, and as I you mean, see, I, I've been known to have some unreasonable opinions, but <laughs> You're pretty we're all entitled to them every um, once in a while. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What's the world without a hot take? Domination is um, amazing. I, I will say we, we did stupid tweets earlier. Um, I think we need to also recognize an epic tweet from Mike Varell. Um, although I really hope that no one does a this. A couple of epic tweets. Um, well, certainly the uh, um, basically the UW drinking game <laughs> for the Oregon State game. Please. <laughs> Don't actually do this. Um, we don't need any funerals uh, or, or trips to, to the hospital for alcohol poisoning uh, in the Husky Twitter family. Um, but wow, was that a, that an amazing, amazing tweet from Mike Varell. Um, and the other one, I think the, he's the last been a, thing he's I, been I forgot a, about it when we were... That gym. Fantastic. And I, and I will also credit Christian Cable. He's a great beat writer as well. We've, we've got it mm -hmm. very, very good in terms of the coverage of this team right now in terms of the beat writers and, and better than we've had it in a long, long time. Um, I'm doing it, so Mike. shouts to everyone that... I'm doing it. Yeah, I'm going so shouts to everyone that covers the team, and in, including, by the way, our guy, Roman. Uh, happy birthday, man. Happy uh, birthday, Roman. Happy birthday, Roman. So um, I, I will say that, that something came out from a Varel article earlier this week that, that we forgot to talk about with uh, the John Donovan conversation earlier. Um, 
about John Donovan not going back and watching our own tape, um, <laughs> which is just another thing that's just indescribably like, how in the world does that happen? Not like, even how at all. Can you, like, not even at all to be able to like, hey, I might need to go back. Like, hey, we we really, you know, kind of shot the bed offensively versus Montana. Maybe I might want to take a look and be like, what plays kind of worked, what, what didn't? How do we maybe fix some of those things and not repeat some of those mistakes? Ah, I don't really need to do that. It's just... Yeah, at least watch it. You know what I mean? Whether you take away... You know, you should know that like, this is a, a formation wrong. Or, hey, guys, this on this route concept, hey, you guys didn't execute that. It's your best year. Even, you know, minuscule things, you know, you don't, you didn't watch it at all. You know, I don't think there's a, a ton that you definitely take away from the month, you know, offensively, you know, but at the same time, like, I at least it, as a staff, go watch that uh, the day after the game and talk about the details of the game, you know, the nuances of, of, Coming up to tackle simple stuff, you know, but mm-hmm. all like, are we are we a prepared team for so, think uh, memory serves for eight hundred and fifty thousand that, that he's getting paid. <laughs> that's that's eh, not, I'm not like I'm. I mean, and I'm the first person to say that. Like, I want. <laughs> There needs to be, you know, work-life balance and all of those things, but but it also comes with the territory. And I will also say coaches get an amazing amount of, they get a lot more chances to correct their mistakes or a lot more chances to prove that they don't suck than people mm-hmm. that work in every other field, basically. <laughs> and as we can see, there's a lot of incompetence going on on this staff. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> what? Jesus, don't get talking about recruiting or Jesus. What did you take from uh, uh, John Donovan's uh, press conference at all? Just in totality, if you, if you watched it, as well. I didn't get a chance. I've had a really busy week. I didn't get a chance to to watch all of it or, or listen to all of it. But um, that was the the thing that just stood out to me. It was just like because. I think it's just it's just really uh it's it's really unfortunate. This is the first time we've gotten to talk to him. You know, it's taken till week mm-hmm. four. That that's kind of sucked. Um, just some some minor takeaways uh, from the conversation was uh, just how this isn't the first coach position coach on the team that has mentioned that our team may not be prepared for the crowds. Like that's pretty odd. Um, John Donovan like, mentioned that as well. I, I don't know what. That I mean, I get, means. I, I get how John Do- where a crowd might be su- surprising to somebody that coached at Jacksonville. Empty <laughs> <laughs> stadiums, oh, but Miami. But John Don, you also coached at Penn State. It's not that exactly. long ago where you've forgotten it. Like what? Well, I, I just, I just mean just, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily him. It was him talking about the the, the kids. And I can't, I can't uh, remember exactly the, the the position coach it was, but I feel like I've heard this from at least two other position coaches, and maybe even include Lake. Like they've mentioned that, hey man, it's the first time that they, you know, the crowds are back and things like that, you know. And it was a point I of emphasis that, but, in fall camp as well. But a lot of the, I, I think that that's 
I, it's I cool. think that's I think it's crap because it's, I think it, like some of these kids play for big time high school programs that get that you know get some crowds in in their high school stadiums. It's not seventy thousand at Husky Stadium. Agreed. Yes, we're a very young team, but but again, that that, that may be something is like, well, where's the 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 upperclassmen leadership to say, hey, this Le- is what it's exactly. like. I mean, exactly. like and. I was but, just and it's there because, like, I know, like, one of the guys and one of my favorite players on our team is Terrell Bynum. And, like, I remember him talking about it last year on the number of tweets that he had last year and during the offseason about how excited he was to have crowds back in the stands and, and be able to play in front of the Husky mm-hmm. faithful. Like, that's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. And I just, I don't know where that comes from. And, and that's, that, that's, what, that's kind of why I was mentioning is, like, what is, what, what is, prompting them to say that at all like that it's your it's literally you telling on yourself like it's your job to get these kids prepared you know it's it's definitely your job to get these kids prepared and if you're not doing that that's 101 of your job title so much of what we're talking about i think all comes back to a lack of awareness Mm -hmm. like it's just and it's just like and and that's in my opinion in in some cases a systemic problem (laughs) in our athletic department and i'm not saying that everyone in our athletic department has a lack of awareness there are some very very standout examples that are completely on the opposite side of the spectrum but it's i i mean and i've said this all the time but like when we talk about like concerns that we have with the football team or with the way the football program is being run or with the, the way that the athletic department is being run it's not because we're all miserable people and we've got nothing better to do with our time. It's that mm-hmm. we want to see this pro- the program and everybody in it be, be as successful as possible. But there's just way too many things that come out of the program and the department that are just like... Head scratchers, man. What? Head scratchers. This is, we're, we're top tier over here on the West Coast. There's nobody better. On? There is not a stronger revenue program on the West Coast than the University of Washington. But you want your your most revenue generating sport to play like some underdogs? Well, you're faking it at this point. Yeah, it's it's that. To go back to what I was saying earlier, and I'm not trying to pat Boise myself State. on the back, but it's the Boise State thing. Agree, man. Like the part, it, it's it's a double edged sword. Part of the reason that the job was appealing to Pete was that it was a big time program that offered him the potential to to win on a level that he couldn't at Boise State. Mm-hmm. But the he gap wasn't is for it. <laughs> he he got here so, and he realized, oh, wait a second. So what makes you think? What makes you think his disciples are built for it? Exactly. Shout out to Jonathan Smith. You know, being able to do some Matt Campbell type stuff. It seems at Oregon State, but that's still Oregon State. But it's still yeah. Oregon State. But the thing is, like. He understands because he played at this level as a as a as a as an athlete. He 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 won a Fiesta Bowl as Oregon State's quarterback mm-hmm. and kicked the shit out of Notre Dame. <laughs> By the way, their loss that year was to the University of Washington. Hey. Sorry, Coach Smith, but it is. But hey. that, um, and and here's to another. I think would it be nine in a row? It's either nine yeah. or ten that we would win in a row when we get this done tomorrow. But it's understanding what it is like on a level that like, and again, it's where, why we 
as we make changes with the staff because they have to happen at this point. I think they will. We have to lean into places that are big time, whether it's college programs that are big time or NFL programs that are at the top of the, that are at the top of the game. Um, because other, we got the other, willing pocketbooks. It's if that's not what we see, it's a clear indication that the athletic department either doesn't give a shit or isn't willing He's to stand up and say, "Hey, no, that that's not like we, we we talked about it." I think in the pre-show and in some of the GCs, it's like at, at this point with John Don, it's it's Jimmy's like Tigos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I want Jimmy to be successful. I think he has the capacity to be an exceptional head coach. I agree. I agree. But part of that, part of being an exceptional head coach you is know. pushing yourself way out of your comfort zone. And Jimmy yep. has to do it. Your CEO abilities and, you know, shout out ACROP, you know, for mentioning these CEO abilities are not, you know, looking elite. You know, you can be a, a great head coach in relation yep. to how you lead men. You can be a great coordinator in relation to how you uh, devise scheme um, to attack an opponent. But as far as how he's delegated recruiting, as far as how he's hired coaches, you know what I mean? As far as, you know, how he's influenced Jen or others to support his program, it's it's just it's not been there. Appreciate you for the homage, you know, the helmet car and. You know, appreciate you for the homage. The W still needs to be bigger on the helmet car. <laughs> I need to see Bring more skeet skirting w. on that. I need to see more skeet skirting. They're not risky enough <laughs> in that car. I need to see more skeet. Who, who is our Marshawn Lynch that'll ride the? He's <laughs> gonna ride the whip in an overtime win. <laughs> Yo, Dom Hampton, bro, I'm, I'm hollering at you, man. You got to get your hands on that ski skirt for the one time. For the and on that note, Dom Hampton needs to see the field. Come like, on. This like, come on, like, account. the, this whole, how many chances, I mean, this is a whole other, other kettle of, of rotten fish in that, like what the, there is a lack, what there appears, what at least appears to me to be a lack of edge edge in the program and that we we gravitate way too much towards a choir boy attitude Mm -hmm. or or you can be tamed if you have tamed edge no uh, we need some dog we need some zim victor we need some bearia if we had a, a defense of 11 alex cooks we'd be fine we need some dogs Mm-hmm. Know who played before you. Yep. Byron Murphy's Buddhas. Murph. Taylor Raps. All Come of those on. guys. Just like I love how Buki's embodying, you know, the personality and the culture of, of what death row means and things like that. Exactly. Kyler, boy, you exploding into these fools on contact. Your big hit ability, keep rapping, man, young man. I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it, 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 and that's the thing that just to me is it's so mind boggling is that that there's this discrepancy. But during the during when Jimmy was an assistant and and was the, the defensive backs coach and then the, the defensive coordinator under Pete, it was 
his group as much as yes, it was Azim and it was Keyshawn on defense that were bringing that attitude and that edge and that mm-hmm. death row dog mentality. Mm-hmm. And it's still the defensive backs that have that mentality. Yeah, yeah. And yet we're punishing we're like we're punishing a defensive back for I mean, yes, it was a it was a key moment. Things could have like and here, here a- here's where it comes down to me for like we're punishing Don Hampton to my mind more than we're punching John Donovan. The circumstances Facts. are so completely different. It's like, Facts. yes. And like, was that the most egregious that environment that, I mean, it was that environment. Like that was the most bullshit milk toast, tame, like bullshit taunting call I've ever seen. Like the guy, like we talked about it. He tried like, to hurt It's a bullshit. Him. Yeah. It's a bullshit you try to call. highlight play me, dude, and I slam you. you. You're getting flexed on, young man. You're getting flexed on. Yeah, it's it, it was a bullshit call, and it's even bigger bullshit that he's continuing to be, be benched for it. Agreed. And, you know, we don't see practice, you know, we're not seeing practice anymore, and, and, I, and true, I know. True. That's what know, matters. It's what matters, and, you know, if he's missing coverage assignments and practice and whatever. But, dumb, like... He's what we need. Cleans up plays. We cleans up plays. Like I, you talked about it last week with Alex Cook, like being excited by people that want to play physical football and bring their shoulder pads and pop the pads. Like we need more of that, not less. We need more Dom attack is, mindset. Period. Dom is picking this young man up and bef- and slamming him, and before he hits the ground, Alex Cook is tackling him. Those are the types of dogs that we need on the field. Absolutely. And those and that's the kind of dogs we need on the recruiting trail and we don't have. Come on. Like come on. And I don't remember where I saw it. Credit to whoever I'm I'm forgetting that pointed out that we're still, I think, trying or that I've heard that we're still trying to pull the well the UW The UW offer means something. And so you should just be flabbergasted when we offer you. And that that is our sole recruiting advantage is incredibly arrogant, is is incredibly out of touch. Again, lack of awareness with the environment when these kids are getting courted all of the time by big time Oregon. Mm -hmm. And Oregon is a big time program. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I hate to say it, but they are, but they are relentless in the recruiting game, and to think that we're gonna have any kind of success for people that are recruiting like dogs like that and are, are on these kids all the time by saying like, oh well, well, they offered you nine months ago and they've been talking to you every day, but we're gonna hold this and here it is, but you're gonna like get the fuck out of here if you're gonna make that offer so exclusive. You need to incentivize me. Where's my NIL opportunities to make this really as exclusive as you guys are saying? I get the degree and everything like that, but I can make, if I can make up to, you know, four or five, six figures while I'm on campus, I'm fine. The, the degree is going to speak for us. I don't need that at this moment. Particularly like in a situation where, you know, if for an NFL caliber player, you know, God forbid an NFL caliber recruit gets hurt. Mm-hmm. 
the chances that they're going to recruit the potential income that they would get from NIL. Well, and here's where we would have an advantage if we were doing NIL the right way. And if we'd gotten off our ass and gotten ahead of the game and said, hey, we need to engage with the business community and the boosters to set up these opportunities with kids as opposed to these one-off. Like, and we're starting to see it. And I know that we've okay. made the changes. And so I'm not criticizing. It's not loud. It needs to be loud. Hmm? It's not loud enough. It needs it's to be not louder. loud enough. We need to be touting this even more. And it's like, it's not the guy. And I, it is not at all a criticism of the people that we have brought in the recent hires that we brought in to spearhead some of these programs. It's the fact that it didn't, that it didn't happen until when it did, these people should have been in their mm-hmm. roles six months ago, 12 Agreed. months ago. Agreed. Because you can't tell me like, yes, and Nike has a huge influence and, that's not going to change, but you can't tell me that with an aggressive mindset and attack mindset out of our athletic department coming and saying like, you know what, this NIL deal is going to be probably be a thing. We've got to be prepared for it. And again, even if it goes a little different or, or if the implementation was two years down the line, this is the, the largest revenue program in the conference. We Next. have the money to spend to be like, Act okay, you know what? exactly exactly sure now perspective sure oregon's probably the only team in the conference that's developing all this infrastructure for these kids but if you're the if you're the leading uh, revenue generating school you need to at least be right on their heels as the second or third school implementing these uh, nil opportunities etc don't be the 10th 11th 12th and trying even to be further, all high and mighty and... when they're your biggest rival and one Come of on. your primary pieces of when you're they're your primary competition for you to succeed at the level you should be again it's that mindset of like no 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 it's not like we have to be close to them we have to be aggressive and we have to beat them beat them be better it is than not, don james did not measure himself by like, hey, you know what? I beat Cal. I beat Sanford. I beat, I beat, I beat. You know, I beat every team. And I beat again. eight of the t- eight of the ten teams in the conference, but I didn't beat USC. Tell them. Uh-uh. And you it think is. UCLA ain't coming? You think Arizona State ain't coming? You think once USC hires somebody to be in a position, uh, you know, leadership there, they ain't coming? You better get. You better do it while it's easy right now. Because these teams are and coming. That's, and that's State's exactly coming. the point. Is we've blown our opportunity. We had a golden opportunity to run the conference, to absolutely run the conference mm-hmm. for five years. Trendset. And trendset and be on the edge of it. And it was partially blown by Pete because if we had handled 2019 the way we should have, Oregon doesn't have the conference title in that year. Mm-hmm. We handed them that with Cal, with giving away Colorado touchdown plus leads at home. I mean, like even the throw, I mean, throw the Colorado game out. Like it's a whole different race for the North. If we hold, if we hold down our home field advantage and beat Cal, beat Oregon and beat Utah. Yeah. You mm-hmm. can throw the clunker against Cal or against Colorado. And I still think you're, it's probably a tie with Oregon and you've got the head to head. Agreed. Because they lost, but, burn, burn, but burnout and things. Mm-hmm. It's, and then we 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 way too much used the COVID excuse 
of like, oh, we'll, we'll, and like, we're like, okay, let's see it on the field. Let's see, you know, we put so many eggs in the, oh, we'll just see what we're going to do in, with, with all of the talent we have in 2021 in terms of recruiting. We'll just, we'll show it on the field and that's going to solve all of our recruiting problems. And we came out of the gate and lost to Montana. Crazy. How'd that work out? Didn't. Attack no, mode. Think, att- like actual no, fucking think- attack mode all the damn time. Now this is some. Now this is also some beta, uh, you know, um, perspective as well. But it seems like these guys are really, really banking hard on relying on the West Coast, relying on California and Washington for the classes of twenty three and twenty four. And while everybody wants to see, you know, us offering these people around the country and things like that, these classes are really, really nice. And all we have to do. Um, these two back-to-back classes, 23-24, is lock up home and lock up some of these West Coast targets. Um, and, and our top targets, which is what we're kind of struggling at. We're getting guy three, four, five, you know, but we're going to have to bring something to the table, uh, you know, yeah. not only uh, on the field, but off it. The NIL, it's it's huge. We have to recruit and we have to pursue NIL opportunities for our student-athletes like our asses are lit on fire. And shout out for George K for, you know, probably holding every single, you know, president AD's feet to the fire. Oh, yes. He looked He's like been he was a... at the Cal game for business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's He's been thus far, to, to at least the appearances that he's been revelatory as, a, as a, an amazing what competence and foresight and vision <laughs> can do for you. Again, fuck off Larry Scott. And he's a Vegas man, man. You know, that's what we needed. I can't wait for these home and homes or these uh, neutral site games in Vegas. You know, we finally get some people on our turf, and I'm pretty sure that's something that he's going to facilitate. That's that's I mean, I'm much more excited and and intrigued about the opportunity to to go down to a conference championship game in Vegas than I was to go down to the eyesore in Santa Clara. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. And these are... And, and Hooligan, these are the platforms that we're missing out if we're not first. Much momentum right now for national brand, for uh, television exposure. There's so much momentum for it right now. And we know one of those teams, just in relation just to their brand, man, is going to be Oregon. And at yep. the end of the day, there's going to be a lot of eyes on us with this new commission. There's going to be a lot of eyes on us with the opportunity that the conference gets, um, obviously, post-2024 when the media rights are up for grabs i mean there we gotta be ahead of this game to 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 compete at the end of the day so even off even in the pac-12 not compete in the cfp or for ny sixes absolutely we're gonna have it's gonna be a struggle to compete in pac-12 if you don't keep up right now Mm -hmm. and it's why unfortunately like where where why it is you know for sark it happened after i think year three the, the Nick Holt situation where we got torched by Baylor in the bowl game and where he had to say, you know what, the first guy I brought in to do this job isn't working out it's much earlier nice in game. Jimmy's tenure. But we're here. like and, and with where our talent level is on this team right now and with the talent, it's not only the fact that we are just under the blue chip ratio to be a national champ, to honestly with good coaching and, or with great coaching mm-hmm. could be in that national conversation when you're that close. Like, we have, I think, almost twice as many blue chip players on our team right now as we did when we went to the CFP in 2016. 
when you're at that level of talent, you cannot no waste it. There's no excuse to waste it. Okay. And the second factor is to what you were just talking about when there is when there are two classes that are overladen with talent that are unprecedented in your Not state and out west, you have to capitalize. And if you don't capitalize, I'm sorry, but you're not the guy. And we're going to find something. We're going to, you, you got to take the chance. Like I want I Jimmy to capitalize on it because that's going to be what's too. like, I like Jimmy. I respect him. I think he can be a great coach. I think he's going through a lot of the growing pains that come. Agree. When you're, when, and, and it's a different, like when you're handed the university of, or when you get the job at the University of Washington, we're not Ohio State. We're not Alabama, where it's just this kind of coaching waiting and you can automatically kind of almost assume success or like those first two years, you've got so much talent built up and it's not a dog shit conference. Like, like Lincoln Riley, it like the books kind of being, <laughs> like, yeah, you won 10 games, 10 or 11 games your first two or three years in, in Norman. Like, of course, because the fucking conference sucks ass. Like, but there's also place. there's there's also elements of and you guys will probably notice this trend uh, as well. But when the coach in waiting is an offensive guy, the transition seems to be easier, you know, because they tend to have they tend to have already in place solid defensive staffs or go out there and you know defensive guys typically don't miss as much as offensive guys. Mm -hmm. So you can go out there and find somebody to kind of, you know, uh, mimic the schemes that made you guys successful, but it's typically the defensive guys working better. He, he, he brought in Alex Grinch, who, you know, yes, everybody that thinks Alex Grinch is a, the next great coach in waiting is, I think Alex Grinch is overhyped. Of but, course, I agree. But, but, but there's, but, it's a lot easier to be successful when you're off, when, when, like what we're facing is that the defense almost has to be perfect. Yes, agreed. Because the offense isn't putting the requisite amount of points on the board, where it's a lot easier if you've got an offense that consistently put up thirty-five, and then on a good on a good night it puts up forty-five or fifty. The defense, like, it hides a lot of warts on the defensive side of the ball. It's a lot harder for a great defense to hide the warts of a bad offense. And, and that's the difference between, you know, having that coach and waiting being an offensive guy versus a defensive guy. Defensive guys tend to be made or broken by the offensive guys they hire, which is a lot easier to be hit and miss. And then if you miss very badly, like obviously we have, then it looks even worse. But <laughs> you don't even need to cough no more, man. That's just a straight up John Donovan. We don't even need to fake that. He, he man... He he needs to he needs to get out of there. But I will say that just as far as trends are concerned, typically it's tougher for a defensive guy to go in there and be successful early. Yep. You know now you see you're finally starting to see Ryan Day go through things because he doesn't have a defensive guy. Yeah. Uh, you're starting you're finally starting to see Oklahoma uh, go through things because his defense isn't bailing him out anymore. You know. So if we just or had the any type of level bailing of, him out enough to it, by just exactly, winning the exactly. shootouts. Yep. Exactly. No, Absolutely, and I think that's that. That's the thing. I think, I think it's a great point, Hood. Because look, let's look at like uh, Will Muschamp, Some kind of thing. Like, oh, he's a great defensive coordinator. He's a great defensive coordinator, and then as a head coach, um, Manny Diaz, Jeremy Pruitt, Manny Diaz, Jeremy Pruitt, defensive guys, man. 
Mel like, Tucker seems to be doing okay, um, but we'll, we we still got but the book still out there. But Mel Tucker had been, he seems to be doing okay. But it's, I think he's also made, I think, some good offensive coordinator hire. I think he, or at least competent offensive coordinator hires. And I think he had a level of experience across a number of different programs where he was, I think, a little bit more ready than. Agreed, agreed, than others. And I think he'd been, and I think part of that is that he'd been, and I, I, I don't know for sure, so I, somebody can shout at me on Twitter and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he <laughs> had experience across a number of different programs in an, like branching out from one coaching tree. And so he'd gotten exposure to different systems, to different approaches. Whereas Jimmy, it this is what it, it is. It was the same. Tampa was a great run for him under, under a DB mind in yeah. Raheem Morris. So sure. That's why he's so elite there, but right. Kirby smart, a defensive guy too. I think so, yeah. I think Kirby Smart's defensive as well. See, see, the trends, the trends, the trend. Right. I mean, and Kirby's <laughs> got it long. going this year, but like that because what, offense. Because offense, but like Kirby's in what year? Six, seven. Entrenched, and he also he's entrenched, but he's also got a. Um, he's got a, there's an inherent advantage for being at Georgia and like the talent in the hotbed of the South. And the money they allocate to recruiting. I think that's tops in the nation. <laughs> Does that help? It helps a lot. Hmm. Hmm. One plus money one. spent wisely. Money Dude. spent wisely helps. Because but, as, as, as we pointed out in the last episode, we're paying 850000 for John Donovan when much more proven offensive coordinators like I think Kevin Johns, who's still at Louisville, is getting paid four hundred thousand. My goodness gracious! My goodness. Yeah, it, but but it, even look at USC. They had some disastrous recruiting classes, and even they were still trying to prop up Clay Helton. But their recruiting classes took a like the, their last class or the last couple of classes were much much better than their prior ones because they brought in a stat like they realized that the way to fix the problem. Or at least, like, and and we're if they make the right hire this time, they're going to be in a good situation. Mm-hmm. They brought in some damn good recruiters. Mm-hmm. Arizona, same thing. You got the yeah, man. It's it's getting it's getting it's getting hectic out here, and people are and people are taking advantage of, and we're just we just have to watch our team kind of be so flinchy and reactionary and focus that one thing at a time. Oh well, we can't focus on recruiting because we got to focus on the games. Oh, we can't focus on the NIL because we got to focus on recruiting. Like we need to have a it's, an all inclusive. Yeah, exactly. We need to have an all inclusive program. It doesn't need to be. Oh, he specializes in that, and he's spe-. no. You guys need to be well adept at being able to do everything it takes. Everything, everything it takes to manage this program. Yep. <laughs> You're absolutely right because it's like because that's the thing. It's like. Their responsibility is not to just recruit or not just to coach or, you know, or find out, you know, opportunity, like for, for a coaching staff, the primary responsibilities are to coach and develop their guys, mm-hmm. win games and recruit. And those mm-hmm. all kind of tie in together. That's one-on-one. That's one-on-one. And like, it's not like, Hey, I could be a great recruiter, but I, if I'm not 
like you and then not develop that's okay because i was a great recruit no you've got to take that talent and level it up and like we were talking about it in the pre-show where we've got this level of talent and the, the performance is like and it's I don't think when we transitioned from recruiting under the radar guys or somewhat under the radar guys and being really good at developing them, when we started to get higher regarded or higher ranked talent, I don't think our ability to eval, I, I don't think we stopped evaluating. Mm-hmm. So like it, it's, so maybe the develop the development has clearly taken a backseat, or in some cases, Agreed. Like Bob Gregory recruiting stopped mattering six years ago. <laughs> we can bring in Carson Bruners every year and Drew Fowler's every because, year. Because yes, walk-ons that will take a University of Washington offer because they grow up around here. They just grow on trees and and legacies that if they get a Washington offer, are going to go nowhere else because of how much, because their dad is a legend in our program. Mm-hmm. I mean, and like, I'm not criticizing those guys. I love Carson. I love Oh, man, for, absolutely, absolutely. But you can't rely analysis. on, you can't bank on that. Like, you're not going to have a legacy player every year. You're not going to have a local kid that's going to turn down scholarships that's the caliber to, to play in your program like Drew Fowler every year. To do so is just lunacy. It's, it's it's lunacy and, and you know to be to keep it real with you, you know those are guys that need to be in the program you know the weight program the you know uh, you know the agility the speed programs mm-hmm. all that for at least two three years you know yep. you're you're bringing you're bringing them in and sure they may have been been the most dominant person on their team you know or the the try hard motor guy on their team but you got to develop those guys. Yep. Another but, another element that I was noticing too is that you bring in like you know those try hard kind of guys like Bartlett and O'Brien, and one thing that that this staff kind of gets the the best out of are those types of guys mm-hmm. because they they not only do they you know have their splash plays every now and then but they're extremely disciplined. Mm-hmm. They're extremely disciplined, and it just seems like you know now that we got these you know high three, four star, five star players. You know, it it does seem like there's a little bit of reliance on natural ability, um, and maybe not taking to a lot of the nuances of the coaching, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So this staff's going to have to really figure it out and figure out how to, you know, balance the way that they want to kind of create an underdog mentality, which I don't prefer, but uh, balance that. You should never have also. an. Sorry, I don't. I don't mean to interrupt at all, but it's like no, you're fine. The University of Washington should never fucking have an underdog mentality. They shouldn't. Like, okay, if we're facing Alabama, okay. But, Jesus, like. But, but no. I agree. What do you think? Um, so, just, just a couple tidbits, man. What do you think about uh, about next week? Like, just on, on minor things you've seen from Oregon State and, and just uh, maybe things you're kind of nervous about with us? Um, I think if. It's. I think they're going to test. I think they're going to. They're going to test us in some unique ways, or at least in ways that I think they're more balanced than. I mean, Cal is pretty balanced, but I think they've got a better. All in all, I think they've got more weapons in the passing game than Cal does. Um. So I think they're going to test our secondary. I think that they. I think B.J. Baylor is a very good running back. 
And mm-hmm. if we're not playing in attack mode, and if we don't see the, that a, a continuation of the the interior defensive line making plays that you called out, that, that you saw in the Cal game, if we don't see that again tomorrow, we're going to have some problems. Um, I do think, and they've, I think they've got a solid defense. I think we have to be in attack mode. Like, we have to, like, we cannot get complacent and try and get conservative and run the ball. We have to put the pressure on them to to score points. Agree. I agree. I think this is going to be the first uh, the first horizontal um, challenge for our defense in the past mm-hmm. game. You know, you um, yep. you know, we we, can we, we can I think put... I think our our huge uh, kryptonite this season is going to be teams like Michigan that can do like a thunder and a lightning at running back and just kind of out physicus physical us uh, on offense and defense. Um, And and, and I don't think that Cal had a lightning guy. So I didn't think Cal had a lightning guy. So them having to bang and bang and bang at the brick wall just ultimately didn't give them opportunities on offense to really like spark that big one for them. Um, But I think uh, transitioning into Oregon state, uh, they got Baylor who can, you know, bang it downhill um, or create for himself. But then Trey Lowe, a UW transfer, a former wide receiver, I think is going to be the first challenge for us horizontally um, that we're going to have to face. So that slot position, Uki, Cam Fab, um, is going to have to really show up or our linebackers in coverage are really going to have to show up or our corners are going to have to come up and tackle. Um, and if we're able to stop that, we, we should be good. Um, in the past game, uh, they remind me of Oregon a little bit in relation to um, just kind of having kind of smaller guys at receiver and having them find space and make plays after the catch. Uh, so I feel like this would be good practice for our pass defense and really stress uh, whether or not our pass defense is good with multifaceted, more CFP-type offenses. Um, that do obviously the vertical and horizontal stretches. Um, but I, uh, I also think that our offensive line and uh, and our offense in general is going to need to really impose their will um, for us to be able to score points. And if we're able to score points, man, we can really, really put some pressure on Chance Nolan, who, albeit played USC just recently, but I don't think he's been in big games that mean something. And this is a big game in the North that kind of means something. So putting some pressure on him, um, I think could really, really change the outcome of this game. But like all four previous games we've seen, you know, this is really going to come down to how not, not necessarily how our offense seems like it can start, but how it's, how it's going to finish and how it's going to stay efficient. You know, we, we got a whole bunch of yards, uh, Dylan has a whole bunch of yards. The receivers have a whole bunch of yards, you know, but that's not any indication of how efficient or effective the past game has been. So how efficient are we going to be in this game, you know, on second and long, you know, medium, you know, so I, I do think we pull it out. I think we pull it out. I think they stress 30 points. Um, and I think, uh, I think I, I can't tell you which half we're going to perform in, whether that's the first or the second half. But whichever half we decide to to pull up in, I think we score enough points to hold them off. I hope so. Same here, man. Yeah, I I said, I think somebody asked me about it earlier in the week, and I think just with the, like, talent-wise, I think we should, like, 
there is absolutely the talent that we should be able to win this game comfortably. But it's the coaching, and it's, um, and it's particularly like on the offensive side of the ball, and it's the offense in some ways putting the defense in bad situations where they get tired or where Baylor or where if they get tired and they're chasing Trey Low outside or they run. Um, Fleming or Treshawn on a jet sweep late in the game when they've been banging mm-hmm. on our, our defense all game. I've got mm-hmm. concerns that they're going to break one that's going to um, put us in a position where we're chasing the game. We have to be able to score early and score with them early and be able to build a a big lead. Or at least a, a significant enough lead um, and and make an inexperienced quarterback I, we, we talk about it all the time. And I'm not, <laughs> I don't like the sound of my own voice. I'm not trying to repeat myself. But it's like, make teams throw on Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon. And Kyler and Gordon. Like, my make God. teams throw on our secondary. Please. Because. Can we stack a box for once? <laughs> like, because if that happens, like, on occasion... You know, with a team like, and I think where Cal is unique in that, like, Cal has big receivers, and we tend to struggle with big receivers um, that are stretching the field. Like, I don't see, with the athleticism and the speed that McDuffie and Buki and Kyler have, I don't have as much concern about them being able to run in space with Fleming and with Sean. Agreed. And yeah, you could, you know, if you have a 14 or a 17 point lead on Oregon State, could they go down the field and score throwing the ball a lot? Yes. Mm-hmm. Could they do it a couple of times? Yes. Yes. If you're consistently putting the points on the board where they continue to have to do that. It doesn't matter. At a certain point, Trent or Bookie or Kyler or Alex or Cam or cam fab or whoever it is is going to make a play and either we're going to make you know the drive is going to stall out after a third and long where we where we you know we stop them short of the stick shout out again kyler for that beautiful stop last week or it's going to be going back the other direction Mm -hmm. we got to put our and one thing you know we got to showcase our edge players we got to give them opportunities Mm -hmm. We haven't really given them opportunities. We go up 24 to 10 versus Cal, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to put the pedal to the metal, and our defense is going to get an opportunity to really, you know, kind of have a stat game like Arkansas yep. State was for the offense, and it just it didn't come to fruition. And the offense has to, you know, put the defense in advantageous positions because the defense is doing their job. Yep. The defense and, is doing their can, damn job. I have a vivid memory of – uh, uh, there's a play that stands out and I don't remember the exact down and distance or the situation from I think early in the second half um, last week but it was after uh, Garbers had started to to eat at us a little bit with the scramble mm-hmm. I vividly remember like Savvy was to the near side was to, to the count you know to so he was lined up on the south side of the you know on the south side of the formation um, with camera on the south side and he took two or three steps off the line of scrimmage, started to go into the backfield, and then basically just stood up to try and keep, like, clearly. It wasn't that he was contain. like, I'm going to give up on the play to keep mm-hmm. contained. Mm-hmm. Zero but, attack. Like, mm-hmm. Exactly. 
they definitely played to play conservative. And, and what that does, man, is, is when the coaches are doing that, it resonates amongst the players. So the yep. players don't play aggressive. And we saw, you know, somebody who got natural aggression and Bookie and Kyler just making plays, you know what I mean? But it puts people uh, in positions like where Dylan, you know, would have wide open guys if he just got his eyes, you know, to a second or third guy or got the ball mm-hmm. quick out to McGrew on some of those swing passes before he would head upfield. You know, yep. if, if you had guys who, who had the confidence, who could who could kind of like um, uh, express the confidence of the offensive coordinator or the offensive staff, then you wouldn't have Dylan being so conservative or throwing the ball yep. away in situations where there, there, there you know, was people a are wide play. open. There was a scramble play that also sticks out where he started to scramble, I think, out to his left, and Taj had a two- or three-yard cushion. And Dylan Aaron just Omerald it out of bounds because mm-hmm. I think that I I and I think we've seen that enough where it's like that one or two read and, and then get rid of it. I that's got to be coaching. That can't like you can't there's turn somebody high. who there's, who is so aggressive high. last year in and like a couple of the throws that he made in the Utah game. Like he made the, the one that sticks out there is a throw in the Utah game where he zipped it into three between three people mm-hmm. in decade. You can't turn like that guy in the course of an off season doesn't become I'm going to scramble out and even though I have a receiver that looks to be oh, like have about two to three yards of space I'm going to airman let me throw it away because he, he was making plays on the uh, on those scramble drills he was tossing the Kamari uh, the play versus Utah he gets out and throws to Cade on the uh, for the game winners uh, game go, uh, mm-hmm. go ahead score. Uh, with versus Oregon State, where he turns his hips and launches one to tie, does the same mm-hmm. thing. I think versus Arizona, where he, he's outside, turns his hips, throws it to a diving puka to come. There's nothing off platform. There's nothing off script. Like there's zero going on right now. And, and at the end of the day, this is what we're talking about. You know, when Penn State people warned us or mentioned now on boards their communications, like his QBs regress. You know, like you telling me that I got to take a two, no more than two hitches in the backfield and I got to make a decision. Then I got quick. I got uh, I got uncertain and uh, uncertain eyes. My eyes are moving too fast. I I, got to make decisions too dang quick. You know what I mean? And it's unfortunate, but we're we're seeing Dylan kind of, I would say, Cal, when the game was when when the game was kind of on his shoulders a little bit with guys open. He, he he played conservative and he channeled the energy mm-hmm. of his offensive staff. Yep. Yep. All right, uh, Hood. Anything else? Uh... No, uh, I got I got one more thing, man. I would like to say congratulations to uh, Rashawn Clark for gaining yes. his eligibility at Federal Way. Um, hard fought for that. Um, excited to see that young man get out there. One of the best athletes yep. in twenty twenty four. Um, in Washington State, and then also shout out to Nate Beck for going off and getting Kent Lake their first dub of the season. Shout out to those two nice. high school players locally. Nice, congrats, guys! All right, well, everybody, thanks for listening. We will be back next week. Stay tuned. Also, tomorrow night uh, we are going to be on live Twitter Spaces again, like we did last week. Yeah, so tune in, and join us. Um, we'll and we'll chat with you then, and then we'll be back uh, with. Uh, with more thoughts on the Oregon State game and uh, and dive deep on recruiting next week. Thanks. Go dogs. Go dogs. Beat the beeves. <laughs>